0: What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Delivered Lumens podcast. Today on the show, Tiffany Wisniewski, Twiz Creative, is my guest. Uh, this one's a little different. We're going to go a little bit inside baseball and talk about lighting and marketing. Um, and, you know, this one's a little different for me because this was my opportunity to really explain my thesis on why I do this content stuff to begin with. Um, I believe that we are communicating in ways that are completely new and different Um, in our industry. I think COVID accelerated that. And so in this conversation, we are gonna talk about the role that online uh, communication and marketing play in how we communicate about light, how specifiers learn about products, why uh, rep agencies are so vital to crafting relevant messages, for lighting specifiers, and how we can better communicate as an industry to the broader world. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. If this is valuable to you, please share it with some of your colleagues. Um, I'd love to grow this show and grow the audience so that we can have bigger and deeper conversations with the lighting community. Without further ado, here's me and Tiffany. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, JP. I'm excited.
0: Me too. Me too. This is a different one for us. So um, if you've been listening to the Delivered Lumens podcast for a while um, or since the beginning of the year, I've been trying to touch on topics that I think are public facing, right? Things that affect the lighting industry, but then affect folks outside the lighting industry. This might be a little bit more inside baseball because I think – and Tiffany, you and I have talked about this offline – that lighting manufacturers are facing a new world when it comes to marketing their products and at a bigger level, getting people to care about lighting in general, right? And we'll, we'll touch on that in a little while. Um, so let's start with like what we think has changed because I think you and I have a lot of alignment here. So I want to hear you describe it because... I, I've seen a lot of change in my time in the lighting industry just in how we communicate with specifiers, with the public in general. What do you think has shifted, let's say, in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years as the industry has shifted?
1: Yeah, so just disclaimer, everybody, I am not in the lighting industry. I, <laughs> I am a marketer that <laughs> – I am not a lighting professional, but I am now specializing in marketing marketing lighting and um, giving a social presence and digital presence to lighting manufacturers and rep agencies. But what I've seen just in the past two years with working with different manufacturers um, and a rep agency out in Detroit is that right after the pandemic, everybody you know wanted to get right back on sales calls at the agency, yet all these other architectural firms, interior design firms are like, hey, like we want digital they're searching, they're trying to find things online. And so there's this discrepancy of like wanting to do all of the sales calls and the in-person, which is great. And we still need that, but there's this whole online presence that these reps and manufacturers could have that could really push the needle about getting their products and services out there to their audience. So I think that's, what's really shifted post COVID. And even like you said, the past 10 to 15 years, it's a digital world. So we got to get online like these other companies. And I feel like the lighting industry is just a little behind on that part. Is that how you feel about it?
0: Yeah. So the way I look at the pandemic is that it was kind of like both in people's personal lives and in the culture in general, kind of an accelerant, right? So trends that we were already seeing really accelerated in the pandemic. So Remote work was here before the pandemic, and we saw what happened because of the pandemic. Uh, digital communication was obviously, we were ma- moving in that direction. Um, there was resistance toward manufacturer websites, toward having your cut sheets online. There were all these resistances, but over time, we've, we've all got on, gotten online. Um, but then the pandemic happened, and all of these changes that I think we thought were coming suddenly you know rushed to the fore right and so now a lot of us are scrambling around um how do we communicate especially when light is or architectural lighting especially is meant to be experienced with your eyes um and not necessarily through a camera lens what can you know how do we even begin to be, to build an online presence or build authority when you know what we do is meant to be experienced in person
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's getting, it's getting to the sales call, right? But how do you pique someone's interest and be in front of them more than being in front of them, which is on LinkedIn, it's on Instagram, it's TikTok, it's even Facebook, depending on your audience, but you want to pique that interest so that you do get that call so that you have people coming to you. I've now been working with this agency and I get it all the time. Oh, we got this call from this person. They saw a social post and this is all organic social, meaning it's not paid advertising. It's just stuff that you're posting on your platforms every day. And it just, it sparks conversation. So the whole idea of social with lighting, especially is to like get that conversation started so you can bring it in person. So like doing some type of lighting demos, because what's also cool is like, A lot of time with the the manufacturers, they have these beautifully rendered photos of the light, right? But to a specifier, it's like, is that really what it's gonna look like? So, even just showing something raw, you know, just iPhone footage of you turning the light on, and I know that you've done this a ton, um, JP, with the different events you're doing, and you're showing that light, and I'm sure that's piquing interest. Do you find that? Do you get people saying, hey, like, what's up with this light?
0: Yeah. So following along that idea with the pandemic, I started the Delivered Lumen's website. And then I really started the website as a vehicle to have a newsletter um, Mm -hmm. because I did some very basic research about it. And I found that, and I'm not advertising any particular platform. I just, I set up with Squarespace um, because I really liked the way they worked. But a lot of these platforms can do this. I'm not, and Squarespace doesn't pay me, so um, this is just my history. Um, but it was very easy to take a blog post, um, and I, I understand people don't read blog posts like they used to. I'm not saying that, but you could take a blog post and very easily export it to an email to your email list and get it out in a nicely formatted story. And so, for me as a rep, this was in 2019. I looked out and i said you know i have 70 different manufacturers that all deserve attention with my specifiers for different reasons but you know people's time windows are shrinking some of my specifiers even before the pandemic you were only getting in there once or twice in a month if you were lucky well once or twice a month let's say it's two times a month 12 months a year that's 24 visits um and i have 60 factories all of these factories are not going to get attention in person unless I can give them other ways to communicate. And so that's really what started the whole delivered Lewis thing was how do I get this information in front of my specifiers when I can't be there physically. And then, you know, just like we were saying, when the pandemic hit, I already had all the channels in place. I had an Instagram, I had a LinkedIn, I had a, a website. So it was fairly easy for me to just ramp up production when the pandemic hit and really invest in it full time because I I didn't have in-person sales calls to make. Um, That was a long way of answering your question, which is, did I see interest from it? And so the answer to that is, yeah, absolutely. What you see is especially, and I I think you should really explain this concept because I'm not the expert, but the idea of being multi-channel has really helped me in my work because there will definitely be specifiers that have never looked at my Instagram, don't care about Instagram, and will never go on it, but they check their email religiously, right? And so if I'm in their inbox, they'll see it there. If I'm, uh, you know, there, I've got younger designers who follow me on Instagram and message me every time I post something, and they may have comments about, oh, I like this product, don't like this product, whatever. It's about building that, that chain of, of, um, of communication. So why don't you define for us what multi-channel marketing means and how that that can lead to, um, to your ultimate objective, which usually for reps is a sales call.
1: Yeah, multi-channel marketing or even it's been called 360 marketing, right? Because it's a circle and all these things that you're creating work together. And I do want to touch on like even just this podcast. So you have this podcast and it doesn't just have to live on spotify apple and wherever you get your podcast right like you take this content and you break it up into social posts you break it up into an email like you gotta make your content work hard for you and i think a lot of times especially what i've seen in the lighting industry um is th- that's not happening they, they put it on one channel and then they let it die essentially right so they're not it's not working hard enough for them and this happens in other industries too so really getting back to that multi-channel and it's knowing what the channels want. Like Instagram wants short, vertical videos, right? Reels that catch your viewers attention. It does skew younger. So you're younger designers, specifiers, and then you've got LinkedIn where you should post your blog, right? Cause people are looking to learn and read on LinkedIn, start a conversation on LinkedIn. And then of course, like you said, that blogs aren't important. People aren't reading them. However, for SEO purposes, right? Search engine optimization, for that to be on your website, all those different keywords, you know, whether it's like decorative, linear, something that somebody would be searching in Google. If that's, if those keywords are in your blog, that blog might show up, you know, depending on how well it's done. Yeah. Um, so that is important. So I think creating like a bigger piece like that, a blog or a podcast, And then splitting it up into a bunch of different pieces. So having somebody, you know, edit and cut it up like you do, um, or having a marketing team do that, or somebody like me, it's going to make your content work so much harder and go further. And then there's continuity, right? Like someone saw it on LinkedIn. Now I'm seeing it in my inbox. And it's those hits after hit that people start to remember. And I think you do a really good job of that on your platforms as I've been following you.
0: Well, so let's talk a little bit more about that. Let's talk a little bit about this idea of building authority or I, I look at it more as telling your story, right? So I think that, you know, the the real, um, what's the right way to say this? I think the reason why most content especially stuff that was just blasted out, you know, in the pandemic. But I think factories got better as time went on, but not, not dramatically. Some factories really figured this out and some factories didn't, but is that you're, no one wants to be advertised to in a social platform. The, the analogy I guess would be like, you go to a, a, you know, an industry event or a party or something. If a manufacturer ran up to you at a party and was like, I have this great new thing, you should specify it. You'd be like, get away from me right? Like that's not a thing you would want to have happen. But if you engage with them as a person and you learn a little bit about who they are, or maybe you've known them for a long time and you're learning more about them, and then you can get into why you're doing things the way you do it. Why do we build fixtures the way we build them? Why are we invested in this platform or, or this way of doing things? Now, maybe it becomes a little bit about synergy. It becomes about oh, you make a kind of light that I could use on my next project, that you make a kind of luminaire I could use on my next project. And then, you know, you're exchanging business cards and you've got a meeting, right, to, to take that party analogy all the way out. Social media is similar. Can you talk a little bit about how you can build value and grow authority online and how it's not just about blasting out sort of advertised photos and, and, um, and a perfectly polished image?
1: yeah and it's it's really about showing your face and people hate to hear this they hate they don't like getting online they don't like making videos you do it i don't know how comfortable you are doing it because some people i know are like i hate it but i do it because i know i need to and over time you get better do you feel like you're comfortable with it
0: um i'm comfortable doing when i when i what i really like doing is the lighting demos themselves like actually talking about the products. Um, that part, I, I think is just fun, but the stuff where you're just talking straight to camera and that took a lot of getting used to that you could just sort of get up and talk to a camera and a bunch of people would see it is, is a weird thing. Um, but when I get into the lighting demos, it's like, I don't even, I just think of the camera as like the people I would talk to in a sales meeting or in a presentation or something. And it's a, that's, that's relatively easy for me, but the other stuff is hard.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what I tell sales reps is like, it's just a meeting. What would you say to, you know, a specifier or what are some applications this light fixture would be good for? Let's run through the benefits. And I always say like, this can be cut. It can be edited. It doesn't have to be, you know, a straight through thing and that typically will calm people down. But as far as authority, just having your face online as you're scrolling through LinkedIn, you're just, you're getting in front of people, right? Right. It's the same thing as, as if you were in person, not exactly, but at least you're you're getting that FaceTime. They're you're seeing you multiple times. They're getting to know, oh, this is the guy that does the demos. What does he have today? What is he unboxing today? What is this? Can it help me? And I think it really is like you said. You don't want to like run up on somebody at a party and be like, I have this fixture for you. It's gonna be perfect. But what you can do is position it as value. Like, are you looking for a linear fixture that disappears in your design and, you know, something that's going to pull them in and something they actually want instead of leading with, I have something for you. Like, what can I bring to you? I know you have this pain point. Here's how I can solve it. And it's just like you said, having a conversation, it doesn't have to be salesy. Um, You definitely can have those salesy type posts. Like if you're manufacturer or agency has some type of offer or deal happening or an event, you need some of that advertising type stuff, but you need to mix it in with that personal feel as if you were just on a sales call talking to a specifier who you've built a relationship with for 15 years already. So I think it's really a mix of that. It's just getting online and trying it.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that for a second. So, you know, I think one thing that you've mentioned in some of your work that I think, and the stuff that I've seen you share, is audience targeting. Um, mm-hmm. We tend to think about it like the specifier, but that's a very blanket, generic way of thinking. Can you talk a little bit about what some of the work a brand might want to do is around? Okay, I'm trying. Okay, you know, <laughs> Tiffany's convinced me. I need to do posts on social media now. What do I do? So. Um, what is some of the background work, or what is like before you pick up a camera or your phone, or before you write a post or whatever you're going to do? What is some of the, the steps you should take in terms of crafting a message or thinking through a message? Where, where would you start with our hypothetical lighting manufacturer?
1: The biggest thing is understanding your sales goals. Because a lot of times you've got this marketing team and the sales team, and marketing's like, oh, we got this idea, and they throw it over the fence and a bomb hits the sales team and they're like what what is this campaign or this is not what our end users want to see or our clients want to see and there's this discrepancy so what i say with any industry is you have to align marketing with sales like who are we trying Mm -hmm. to push like you said you had these 60 manufacturers well for this month who do we want to talk about and what fixtures are we talking about or what's going on in the agency that we want to promote So like at least getting that kind of aligned so that you as a salesperson on calls are talking about the same things that they're seeing on social media or on the website, on a blog post. So it's aligning that first. And then, like you said, understanding who the specifier is for these fixtures. Is this more appealing to an interior designer? Is this the benefits? You know, does that work for them? Or is this at the stage that an architect would really care about? You have to understand kind of who those people are and then craft the language that they know. So talk more designy to the designers and more factual to the engineers and the architects. And if it's a general brand message, then you just have to let your brand as an agency um, or as a manufacturer come out. Like who, who are you as a brand? Yeah. You know, is, are you fun and bold? Are you sleek and mysterious? And and just let that come out in the language of a caption or how, you know, your salespeople or marketing people speak on camera. Um, So before we do anything, it's understanding what the sales goals are and then aligning that and then knowing who those clients are. Who are you speaking to? And maybe even get granular with it. Like what actual firms do we want attention from and speak to them like you're speaking to those firms?
0: Yeah. So that's a huge point right there um, that I want to, before, I, before I, we move on from it, I, wanna, I don't want to forget it. I think the other trap that a lot of manufacturers fall into and certain rep agencies fall into too, is I've had people say to me like, you know, your video only got like 75 views. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm definitely making a video for maybe 25 people right? Like mm-hmm. people assume because it's on the internet that I want it to be viral, right? Like if I wanted to make viral content, lighting fixtures is not the way I would do it, right? Like that's not <laughs> like, that's not the goal, right? Right. That's not it. When you go to the Lumen Awards in New York City, like the vast majority of the New York City lighting community fits inside the ballroom at Chelsea Piers. right? it's mm-hmm. It's a big, you know, industry, but it's a very small industry too, right? Like, so if, I, if a video I make or a post that I write gets 100 reads or you know, 100 views, that's fine because I'm targeting a very narrow band, right? I'm targeting New York City lighting people. So mm-hmm. if you're a manufacturer, maybe your goals are a little bigger because you're national or whatever. But my point is, is that don't get so wrapped up in the numbers. Start to get wrapped up more in the results, right? Yes. Are the people that you care about seeing this stuff in the places that you need it to be? Right. So, um, when you're talking about audience targeting, let's talk about not just, is it an interior are the people that you want to sell this to interior designers, architects, lighting designers, engineers, are they the younger crowd that's going to be on Instagram? Is it the email, you know, can, you know, is it an email campaign? Is it a, you know, uh, is it a video, is it a whatever it is. And going back to your point earlier, you can make a piece of content that fits all of those buckets if it's thought through ahead of time, right? So you do the video and maybe the video becomes a short, maybe it becomes a this, maybe it becomes a that. But thinking through what those messages are across those channels is the way that you're going to get any kind of purchase with this stuff. And it, it builds over time.
1: Right. Exactly. Over time is is a huge thing. People think, Oh, I'm going to start posting on social media. And next week I'm going to have all these calls. And it's like, no, you got to build that awareness over time. And like you said, the views, um, it's great. You know, if you get 25,000 views, but you know that your audience is not 25,000. So, you know, you're just getting views from, you know, who knows who right on Instagram or something like that. But the way I really kind of gauge engagement or how, you know, social is performing is by, um, the comments like who's commenting on it Mm. who's who's actually liking it um but comments are for sure and then a lot of times people will just throw content out there um and they don't engage with their viewers or the people that are actually commenting they're not commenting back they're not asking a question to those people who took time to make a comment Um, they're not following up um so social media is a long game and you have to engage with people. You can't just throw content out there and not um, do anything about it. Does that make sense? <laughs> it totally
0: makes sense. And I think that if you're in sales, you, especially in the specification sales channel, you should understand that. Because whenever you take on a new account, you're not writing business with that account on day one. right? right. You're generally building trust and you're building a long-term relationship with that account that will take anywhere from 18 to 24 months to actually bear into projects that turn into revenue. That's just Mm. the way it is, right? Um, And if that's true of in-person traditional sales tactics, it's not really any different for social. The other thing to think about with social and digital campaigns is specifiers know, like if you're somebody that books appointments and goes in person, I guarantee you every specifier knows oh rep A she's great every time she comes in she's bringing relevant products and she's not wasting our time it's not just a free lunch like we're getting in there and really enjoying and and engaging with the stuff that she brings in rep B consistently wastes our time we don't he doesn't get as many appointments with us because he's only showing the thing that his sales manager told him he has to show not the thing that we care about as an office Waste time. Would prefer he doesn't come back. It is the same on social. If you're just blasting out content that is not valuable to the people that you want it to be valuable to, they're going to tune you out. If you other, on the other hand, if you're posting stuff that people do want to engage with, that they're learning from, then you become something that the the algorithm will continue to surface for them because they see that the the websites, whether it's Instagram or YouTube or whatever will see that you are creating things of value because people stick around. They keep watching it or they keep reading it or whatever it is, or they comment on it. So, you know, you have to find ways to create content of value, not just blast out advertisement style posts that no one's going to care about.
1: Right. Yeah. Actually taking the time to figure out what like is of value to those people and not just what's going to benefit you because a lot of times that's not appealing, (laughs) you know, it just isn't appealing to, to people. And like you said, people are bombarded all the time. There's plenty of paid ads on these, on these platforms that we have to deal with that we don't buy into um, that just show up. And so something that is in our own industry that we actually like and want to learn more about, if that's not providing us value, then there's really no point of being there and you either tune them out or you, unfollow button. Like there's a couple right. of options there. Right.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Oh, for sure. For sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so talk a little bit about when you work with clients and whether we're talking about the lighting industry or outside of lighting industry, um, what is a typical workflow? Like I'm thinking about the vast majority of lighting manufacturers that I deal with are not major conglomerates. They're usually smaller companies there's usually one, maybe two marketing people within that firm. um, And they're in charge of everything from like putting together the the cut sheets to, you know, the website to social. So they're overloaded too. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some of the things that you identify with smaller companies as goals, right? Is it do you set, do you have like benchmark goals? Like let's put out a piece of content every week, or is it much more, let's talk when we have something to talk about? What, what, how do you think about that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question as far as like, you know, how, how often do we put content out on social media? I, you know, create different packages and let them decide. I always say Hmm. like, I would love to post at least, at least three times a week. So you hit, you know, half of the week. And so you're staying consistent and Mm -hmm. your audience is seeing you and you're building something. I never recommend taking a break. Like there's only a couple times during the year that I will say, Hey, maybe let's not post on these week. And it's normally like the week of Christmas. (laughs) Unless you have like something that's very relevant to people that might be fun or entertaining. And the week of 4th of July that those two weeks just get really low engagement. Just across any industry, but mm. other than that, you want to keep a consistent face-to-face with your brand and your consumers on social platforms. So I, I like to say, let's start with three posts a week. Um, sometimes that's a little out of people's budgets, so we'll be like, okay, let's do two, or you know, two and three and two and three, um, sure. whatever you know makes them feel comfortable. But yeah, we have a cadence, right, and we stick yeah. to that. And try to stick even to like the time that we're releasing things so people become um used to that and aware of that like okay well you know deliver lumens is posting every monday wednesday and friday at at noon and i know i'm gonna you know see a, either a demo video or he's going to be talking about an event coming up and you just start to kind of build that awareness just by being consistent
0: Oh, Tiffany, if I was that consistent, I would, that's a goal I aspire to. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> me me too. It's something I push my clients to and I have a hard time doing myself. So it's, it's tough. It definitely is tough. But if you have a professional doing it for you or working with that marketing team, which is great. I love working with people um, on yeah. marketing teams so they get it. Um, it's just a lot easier to have somebody just on social. It really is a full-time job, you know, for a small company.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, you know, one of the people ask a lot, like, I've had other salespeople ask, like, when do you find the time to do this stuff? So here's the thing. And I think this is where the real mind, sh- mind shift, mindset shift, that's what I want to say. Mindset shift needs to happen. So what I do every day now is the content for lack of a better term, right? Like mm-hmm. I am actually going out and talking about these lighting uh, fixtures and these these brands every day in my day work. So it's about shifting your mindset to, can you capture some video of this? Can you capture some photos of this? And then if you're lucky enough to have a marketing person within your agency or you know a, an outside consultant, they can take that information and, or, or that content and they can mold it into something that's actually kind of interesting. Right. Uh, so it's more about shifting your mindset to, uh, to making sure that imagining I'm only talking to five people right now, but what if I was talking to five people plus other relevant specifiers in this space? You can be doing that almost all the time if you think it through. It's not always possible, right? Like today I was running between three different appointments and it wasn't really practical for me to be recording a lot of stuff. But um, on the days that I can, I absolutely do. And then it becomes the stuff that you see later on when I have time to edit it and put it out there. So it's all doable. It's just a matter of shifting your mindset to always thinking about how I can reach a broader audience with whatever activity I'm doing at a given time.
1: Right, exactly. And then not having to post it right away, like you said, it could be something later. Um, I always tell people, you know, when they're taking their clients out to dinner or out to the US Open or to a hockey game or something like grab a couple photos, maybe a couple like videos of you with those people and then just tagging them to posting it on the on your personal LinkedIn as a salesperson or sending it to the company to post as a rep agency or manufacturer. And tagging those clients, it just makes people feel seen and special, you know, and they're getting Mm -hmm. recognition and then that company can then share it and it becomes a ripple effect. Right. So it's just, I think, yeah, like you said, grabbing the content when you can, and then having a person um, like myself, who's kind of more of a freelance company, um, having people come out to events and, you know, shoot social content for you, because I know that when I'm doing an event, uh, when I'm hosting it, it's it's hard to shoot your own social content when you're interacting. So having that that content creator there to grab that different content you know, for a couple hours or at the peak time during the event um, really is a better idea because then you can focus on what you got to focus on in the in-person stuff and then that other person's just grabbing some content for you that they can then edit at a later time to post either that night or the next day, you know?
0: Sure. Sure. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's ample opportunity. If you're living a life within the industry to capture parts and pieces of it and share it at that, that's something that I think is kind of a solvable problem. It's mm-hmm. more a mindset shift. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about, um, so we we touched on it in the beginning but I want to kind of come back around to it cuz I think it's important. We're talking about reps and individual lighting manufacturers almost interchangeably, but I do think there's there's a slightly different but overlapping set of goals there. And how do you see the the relationship between say the marketing agency or the the manufacturer themselves and the representatives that are doing the sales work. Do you think that there's, are there some easy ways to create synergy there? Or is that something that we really need to work on as an industry? Because we, we work with independent sales and uh, sales reps. So you're, you're redoing the sales training over and over again. Do you see a way to, to make that more streamlined? How do you think about that when, when you're working with either a rep agency or a manufacturer?
1: Yeah, what I'm finding with um, just working with an agency and and in in turn having to work with their manufacturers, what's normally happening is the manufacturer has maybe some type of marketing kits um, or they just have photos online. And it's about like just grabbing what you can grab is what I'm trying to do. I'm like grabbing photos, you know, application photos from a manufacturer website and, you know crafting that into something that the agency, their, you know, rep agency can then use to promote that manufacturer's fixture and, you know, saying available at this agency. (laughs) So it's, I think some, you know, manufacturers have more than others and the ones that don't have a lot, those agencies are really, you know, scrounging for something, um, to Mm. produce, um, And I think that's where lighting demos are perfect because normally you have some type of, um, you know, light fixture or some type of kit that you can then take out and demo. So sometimes you got to create your own stuff. I go out to offices and do, you know, lighting demos with the salespeople. So I'm not doing it myself because I'm not the lighting professional, but I will shoot it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's really like we talked about in the beginning, aligning the marketing with with the sales goals, like what, what are the goals? Um, and I think, you know, the more manufacturers can invest in creating assets for these agencies to use, the better that they can market, you know, to, to their region. Um, and if, but for me too, like if, if the, uh, manufacturer is struggling with creating that content, the rep agency, in my opinion, should step in and help. Because what mm-hmm. I'm seeing from a marketing standpoint is a rep agency kind of acts like a marketing agency for these manufacturers, right? They're repping them. They've got to go out and sell. And I think a lot of agencies don't position themselves or don't see themselves that way. How do you feel about that statement?
0: <laughs> yeah, so I think that there's a couple of things going on there. So the first thing I would say is, you know the philosophy of the company is largely what's going to drive this. And and when I say that, what I mean is if you're a manufacturer that came up in a spec market, like a New York or a Chicago or a Boston or whatever, you're thinking about a certain kind of specifier, right? If you're a brand that came up in more of a, um, like a package rep to architect market, you're thinking differently about how those products go to market. And so you're relying a little bit more on the relationships of your local reps to put together jobs and write orders. I think the marketing side of that, or what what we need to think about is from a marketing perspective is the message that goes out to New York city lighting designers is fairly specific. And that's where your rep can really be a, a, a major mm-hmm. tool there, right? Because your marketing people may not really have exposure to that market, not know the language to speak to those kinds of specifiers. Similarly, I would know nothing about how to go into a territory like Florida, which which goes to market very differently than New York does and speak effectively to that market, right? I'd come in with my like you know, story and concepts of a fixture and of this and a that. And people are like, that's great. What's the lead time? How much does it cost? Like, you know, it's a very different mindset about how to go into certain markets. So what your rep can do, especially if it's a major market like a Florida or Texas, California, is they can really inform what that messaging needs to be for that market. Mm -hmm. And so you may, as the manufacturer, set the tone. I want to sell more of product X. And I think that, you know, it's a meat and potatoes kind of product for schools and hospitals, and I'd love to see it get sold into big markets like California, Texas, and Florida. Great. Talk to those reps about what they need to see to sell it into those markets that you want to sell to, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of just, I made a thing and I'm shotgunning it across the country and I'm hoping that people latch on to it. Um, really start to think about who, who is going to make, use this thing. And, and if, once you know that, then reach out to those local folks who can help you craft that message.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even like when those manufacturers come to visit a rep and do, you know, dual sales calls and, you know, they travel to different firms and um, are selling with, you know, that manufacturer rep, use that as some time, you know, take five minutes, 10 minutes and do a video with mm-hmm. that manufacturer rep and I'm sure you've done that too because um, then you're getting you know not only the sales rep knowledge but also you know that manufacturer right from their mouth what they feel why this was created um and you just get to know the people the more you can kind of build a relationship like oh I really like JP he's just he's I get his humor um And sometimes that's all it is. Like, I just like this guy. So I'm, I want to buy from him. I trust him. And it's the same for manufacturers too. Like if you like that personality or they have a really designy edge, like it's going to, you know, pull different people. So I think as much as you can try to get people in front of the camera it is a tough thing to ask. I know it is because I've seen, I've seen clients do it and ask and it's awkward at first, but then you eventually get over it. And just like you, I mean, you're, you're on the camera all the time. It seems like, um, and people, yeah. people get used to it and it does, it does become effective.
0: Well, and I will say this, if you're not a camera kind of person, um, mm. if that's not your thing, there are other things you can do, right? So one of the most effective pieces of content that I've ever done, that actually was never really made it to social media because it wasn't really for that, was yes. I took one of my um, exterior manufacturers that does a series of different optics with one fixture. You specify what that optic is. I literally just took the fixture endwise against the wall and then flat against the wall. And I showed the different distributions in photos. I took the exact same, you know, photography setup, and I took, it was probably like 25 pictures and I packaged that in one incredibly simple PDF and I sent it out to my specifiers and that's as much content marketing as anything else, right? It's a functional tool that my specifiers like consistently will go back to because they look at it and they go, oh yeah, that's what this is going to look like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't have to get on camera for it. I didn't have to do anything fancy with an iPhone or, and set up a tripod or anything. I just literally did made a little tool for them. So think about the space you're in too. Like if you're trying to sell um, like surgical suite, I had a, this on the top of my mind because I did a surgical suite presentation this morning. Where's the white paper, right? Where's the study that says the right way to do this? What are some design guides that you can hand out that help out people to do this? There's other pieces of content you can make and so, think differently about what you what what may be helpful for your brand is I guess my my ultimate message there.
1: Yeah, anything that you can do to add value, like you said, my my biggest um, piece of advice there is to keep it as simple as possible, so it's easily digestible. Depending on the platform, whether it is something that you're emailing or something that somebody's going to potentially scroll by, make sure it catches the attention and that you're explaining like this is the thing I'm solving for you. You know. What if it's a video, it's the first three seconds to five seconds. And if it's a PDF, it's, it's the headline. Like, what, what am I looking at? And that needs to be really defined and make sure that it's, you know, hierarchical. Like, you can, you can see that first piece of value the first time that you look at the, whatever you're looking at. And I think that that's helpful to keep people's attention so that they do come back to it or they do save it or they do you know, use it as a valuable tool and come back to you for more.
0: Um, so before we wrap up, um, let's talk a little bit about bigger picture and I don't know, I'm trying to come up with like a pithy catchphrase for this, but one of my long-term goals is to get more people that are not necessarily in the lighting industry to care about lighting and to care about what light can do in their everyday lives. Do you think there are ways in which everybody telling good lighting stories online helps raise, like uh, the rising tide raises all boats, right? Like if we're all talking about good lighting, even if we're trying to sell individual products, because we're talking about the same sort of root thing, are we going to raise up the lighting industry in general? Because I believe that will happen. I'm curious to get your take on it.
1: Yeah, I think it's storytelling, like you said. What's a compelling story you can tell? And you see it all the time, people sharing things via email, on social media that have nothing to do really with what they do or their industry, but it's just interesting content and it's a cool story. And I think lighting can absolutely do that. And it's something that we have to deal with every day, you know, most of the time subconsciously. Like we don't even know that lighting is affecting us. Um, and it's something that needs to be brought up more. And I think people really care when it comes down to like their health and how it affects them. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't know about mm-hmm. that, right? Like the everyday person, like I had no idea before I started getting into the lighting industry and, and marketing it, that all these different things affect us and darkness and how that's important to the environment. Like who knew now that I know, it's something cool to talk about. So I think, like you said, creating these stories and having other lighting professionals tell their stories that's relatable to the you know general public that is going to raise the awareness and get people kind of interested in, um, more than just like, what bulbs can I, you know, change in my house to be more energy efficient? You know, I feel like that's the big story for a long time. It's like, let's change that. Let's go a little deeper. And I think you've gone, a, a, you know, deeper in your yeah. content and in this podcast.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think that we, you know, a lot of, I guess there must be millions of, not millions, but dozens of industries where. You know, people think of it as niche They think of it as like we're just a little corner of the world and we don't want to talk to the rest of the world. But if we want people to really care about this stuff and not value engineer it to hell every time a job comes out because they don't understand why they should pay more money for better lighting, we have to talk about it more broadly. We have to talk about it to other industries. We have to explain to uh, the school boards and to medical facilities and to all the folks that are, you know, actually writing the checks for these buildings Mm -hmm. why they need to invest in better lighting and what it's going to do for people over the long term? because I want students that are more engaged. I want people that are healthier in hospitals. I want Mm -hmm. better experiences across the board. And I think we get there by talking about how light can do that, but that can be a collective effort. Little by little, all of us trying to raise that, that, um, that awareness. Um is there anything else Tiffany that you want to share with the audience? Where can people find you? Where should we um where should people be looking for you to follow you all on all the channels?
1: All the channels. Um I'm most active on Instagram and LinkedIn. So you can find me on Instagram at twiztwiz.creative. Um and then on LinkedIn as Tiffany Wisneski, um, or as Twiz Creative on LinkedIn as well. And then my website is twistcreative.com. A, <laughs> a lot of twiz.
0: A lot of twiz. Go on our website. You do a lot of cool stuff that's not necessarily lighting related, but you do some cool stuff. So people should go on the website for sure.
1: Yes, I'm definitely working on that. And I've got some more lighting content coming that's going to be updated very soon. So I'm excited.
0: Ah. Um, uh, <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think you're going to help a lot of folks just sort of understand that they can get into this game. We can do it better. um, And I really appreciate it. Thanks so much.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you once again for uh, listening to this episode. If this was valuable for you, please, please uh, take a minute, share it with a colleague, post it to your socials. Um, It's how the show grows. It's how we uh, make this all worthwhile. I appreciate your time. You can find me at Delivered Lumens on Instagram and on YouTube. And I can't wait to talk to you more.